1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm going to read the verses that we're going to look at this morning and then we'll pray and uh, we'll seek the Lord together as we study his word and look forward to hearing from him this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this morning and uh, for this time together. I pray you'd help us to walk in these things that you're going to teach us now. We commit our time to you. We thank you for your transforming work of your spirit in our hearts and in our lives. For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul writes in chapter 11, verse 1, Imitate me, just as I also imitate Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I deliver them to you. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, for that is one and the same as if her head were shaved. For if a woman is not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it is shameful for a woman to be shorn or shaved, let her be covered. For a, for a woman indeed ought not to cover his, for a man indeed ought not to cover his head, and since he is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. For man is not from woman, but woman from man. Nor was man created for the woman, but woman for the man. For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head, because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is man independent of woman, nor woman independent of man in the Lord. For as woman came from man, even so man also comes through woman. But all things are from God. Judge among yourselves, is it proper for a man to pray to God with her head, with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him? But if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given to her for a covering. But if anyone seems to be contentious, we have no such custom, nor do the churches of God. Lord, help in Jesus' name. This is a, one of those chapters where uh, people get confused, people um, are challenged. Um, I'm not sure how many churches this morning are even teaching this passage or how many churches skipped this passage altogether? I know there's a bunch. There's probably a bunch of you this morning saying, what in the world is this all about? Is this even relevant for us this morning? Well, it is definitely relevant. I've titled the message this morning, Order or Chaos. Order or Chaos. Without order, what happens? Chaos, correct? I asked Alana, my eight-year-old, um, yesterday, um, what is chaos, honey? And I wrote it down. She said, someone does something crazy and everyone else follows. I like that definition. Someone does something crazy and everyone else follows. Well, I, it's, it's really more than that. It's, it's, uh, it's, it, there's drama, there's strife, there's fighting. There's so much that happens when there's chaos. And we know that our God is a God of order. In fact, we're going to read later on in chapter 14 that God is not the author of confusion. He is the God of peace. He is the God of order. He, when he does things, he does things with order. There's purpose. Um, and God's way is always right. 
correct? His way is always right. And at Corinth, we know as we've studied this book together, as, as you read ahead, we know at Corinth the church was out of order. Um, they, were, they were doing things that um, were, would, would, um, would, would make one think that, uh, that our God is a God of chaos, and he is not. Um, there was chaos on multiple levels in the church, um, not only in the general assembly or the gathering together uh, for services, but also in their families as well. In fact, you guys know, as we've studied this book together, worldly thinking, the philosophies of man, uh, carnal ways and means have crept into the church, um, the way they were doing church, the way they were doing life, and so how they lived out their walk with Jesus. And so Paul is helping them. He loves these people, and he wants them to help, help them get their walk right with the Lord, that they would do family right, that they would do church right as well. And so um, we're going to look at some words this morning, order, submission, authority. And those are certainly words that in our culture, they're viewed as evil and wrong. But those are words that uh, God gives us. They are critical. And so notice where Paul begins with me, please, in verse 1. And, and some people believe that verse 1 is attached to chapter 10. Um, it should be verse 34. And remember, when this was written, there was no chapter and verse breaks. It wasn't like Paul began to write to the Corinthians and said, Oh, I think this is a great place to stop and start a new chapter. It was one continuous uh, letter that he wrote. The, the chapter breaks and verse breaks were added afterwards by uh, by translators and so forth. And so there, is, there really is no break, but this is an important point, I think, that connects both chapter 13 and 14. In fact, notice what Paul says, and the imitate, that word imitate, it's in the continual tense, and it means to continually imitate, or continually, Paul says, follow my example. Continually follow me as I am following the Lord Jesus Christ. And I would say uh, the first point that, that we see here is that Paul lived out a pattern to follow. In other words, as my life is submitted to Jesus, as my life is yielded to Jesus, as I follow his example to the extent that I follow Jesus, listen, then do the same. Follow my example as I follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, we need good examples in the church. My precious brothers and sisters, we need good examples in the church. And that is a critical part of discipleship. The Lord's called us to make disciples. And making disciples doesn't mean uh, just the things that we communicate with our lips. But it's the way that we live our lives as well. Not just giving out info, but also our lifestyle as we follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We should be living out our walk in the workplace, in the home, social media as well. And so Paul now shifts gears. Look at verse 2 with me. Paul uh, gives praise to the, to the family of God here. He says, I give you credit, family. Um, I praise you in two things. Number one, the first thing was that they were mindful of Paul to remember him in all things. And so they were mindful of Paul. They still had Paul in their minds. We're going to find out, though, later on that there was a whole segment of the church that hated Paul. They hated Paul's guts. And yet Paul would say later on that even though the, the less you love me, I'll continue to love you. The second thing Paul praises them for is that they kept what? The traditions or the church ordinances that he had given them. And when we read traditions, we can kind of have a, a kickback, can't we? 
because we know that we read in the Gospels, Jesus always had heavy words for the Pharisees and the religious leaders of that day because their traditions superseded the word of God. But this word tradition, or traditions means ordinances. We would think of ordinances that are passed down like baptism, marriage, the Lord's Supper, taking communion. And so, again, this, fa- this church family, they were so messed up. And even at their worst, Paul sees the best in them. He praises them for these things. And then Paul addresses, notice verses 3 through 6. And here's where things get interesting, right? In verses 3 through 6, Paul addresses the issue of order. And by the way, Paul is not a male chauvinist pig. I know we read that and some people think that. Some people think, man, he is just a, you know, a chauvinist. He is developing something very important here. He is developing the principle of not only order, but headship. And headship, we read that word head over and over and over. Head, it speaks of authority. It speaks of accountability. It also carries the idea of source as well. But headship is the God-given responsibility. Please listen. It is the God-given responsibility to lead. Headship also involves not only leading, but it also involves submission as well. In other words, I'm trusting the person that God has set over me. I'm yielded to their authority. And we find this teaching throughout the New Testament, don't we? We find that, that we were just studying it a little while ago in the book of Titus. We are to submit to the governing authorities that God has placed in our lives. We're also to submit within the home, within the church. There's all these multiple levels that God has given us in order that there would be order. And that's the point that Paul's making here. Everybody is under authority. And so Paul says, this is what I want you to know. Number one, look what he says, for every man, every man here, every Christian man, guess what? Jesus is our head. He is the authority, the supreme authority of our lives, the one that we are to be lovingly submitted to in all things. And aren't we by nature very rebellious? Not a whole lot of honking of horns or lights. Maybe it's just me. We don't, <laughs> we don't, like, to be, we don't like to be told what to do, right? We like to be the master of the ship, the captain of our own destiny. And yet... We see here that we are to be lovingly submitted to Jesus Christ. Can I, can I make a point this morning? Real men are submitted to Jesus. Real men are submitted to him. And listen, life is best, life is best when he is in charge. And think about his headship. Think about his covering in our lives. Isn't there great protection? Isn't there great love that he extends to us? Patience guidance. Isn't there great wisdom, men, as we consider that this morning? And then the next thing Paul says is the head of woman is man. Not, again, not a whole lot of honking. That's okay. Let's, de- let's develop this. Women are also are under authority. That's probably the men beeping, by the way. Yeah, amen. But preach it, pastor. And the New Testament deals with two specific areas, the home and in the church. Please hear me on this. Being under authority does not mean that you are inferior. 
It does not mean that you are of less value, gals, and it does not mean that you are less intelligent. In fact, the Bible teaches, Paul said in Galatians chapter 3, that men and women are equal. Men and women are equal. As far as God is concerned, we're equal before him. But listen this morning, our roles are different as men and women, right? Ephesians chapter 5, the the Apostle Paul develops um, what our, our roles are in the home. Wives are to submit unto their husbands as unto the Lord, and husbands are to love their wives, how? As Christ loved the church. Very important, isn't it? And if you have an argument with that this morning, your argument is not with me. I'm just the delivery boy here this morning. Your argument, your fight, if you are saying, I'm not going to walk in that, your fight is with God. You are in rebellion to Him. And I would encourage you this morning, this is an issue that in our culture, um, in our culture is, is, is promoted Submission, bad word. Being under authority, bad word. No, these are God-given terms that he wants us to apply in our lives. In fact, look at the next thing in verse 3 that Paul points out. That the Son, Jesus Christ, is lovingly submitted to or under the authority of the Father in all things. In fact, remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, what Jesus said, Not my will, but Father, your will be done. And we read in the Gospel of John on multiple occasions where Jesus said, I only do the things that the Father tells me to do. I am about His will and, 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 and completing His will. And so Jesus chose, please listen, Jesus fo- chose to follow the leading of the Father and He fulfilled the role that He was called to play. And He is our example in all things. There's equality between the Father and the Son. There's equality within the Trinity, but there's different roles and there's order within the Trinity, just like there needs to be order and roles that we play within our homes and within the church. And so, verse number three is the general principle, and now Paul helps the church of Corinth um, to apply this general principle, um, the application in that culture. And look what he says in verse four with me. Um, He says every guy that's connected to God in prayer or prophesying, that that word's going to be defined later for us. It means speaking words of edification, exhortation, or comfort. And so this man that is involved in public ministry, maybe declaring forth God's word, if he has some kind of a head covering on, a veil or some type of a hat, Paul says, listen, you're bringing disgrace, you're bringing dishonor, to your head, man, dude. And, and so who is the head of man? Jesus Christ. In other words, this custom we see here in uh, verse 4 was most likely a public prayer or prophesying. And if, a man, if the man's head was covered, it was dishonoring to the authority above him. That's how the custom worked. It would be dishonoring to the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, think about it this morning. Can you imagine me coming up here or coming to the pulpit with a ball cap turned around backwards? Hey gang, check, check me out in my ball or a hoodie pulled over my head. It just doesn't work. It doesn't, does not fit. But also, please listen, in this culture, in this culture, pagan religious leaders and men, they would wear veils over their heads. They would wear hats. There's some churches where men, where men wear these cool, well, I wouldn't call them cool, big old hats. 
to show who they are. And listen, so what's Paul saying here? You don't need to do that. You're connected directly to Jesus. Don't act like a pagan. Verse 5, but in contrast, every gal who is speaking to God, how? In prayer or the gal that speaks words of edification, exhortation, and comfort. Um, She's sharing scripture with nothing on her head. Look what it says. Bring shame to her head. Who is her head? The husband. So without her head covered, if she is doing some type of public ministry here and her head's not covered, Paul says that is shameful. And so the custom for women in the public setting involved an opportunity for the women to share or to pray publicly, um, but they needed to wear some type of a covering. That's not like a bag over their head. It's some type of a scarf that they would wear. And the custom always reflected submission to God's order. It was a public symbol. And can I please note here that women had significant roles in the church and that they were to exercise their spiritual gifts. Yet we see in the New Testament they are to operate under the pastoral leadership um, that's laid out for us by the Lord in his word. The role of running the church is given to, we're told in 1 Timothy, the role of running the church um, is given to men who are connected to God Um, There's order in the church, and then ministry flows um, to the women. Again, it's not a superiority thing or, uh, or an inferiority thing. That is how God has given us order in the church and order in the home. Well, notice what it says also uh, there with me in verse 5, right at the middle. It says, for that is one and the same as if her head were shaved. If the gal is not wearing a head covering, Paul says it's just like having a shaved head. If a gal doesn't cover her head, let's keep reading. If a gal doesn't cover her head, then let her head be shaved or shorn. But if that's considered filthy or dishonorable for that gal to have her hair cut short or shaved, then she needs to have a head covering. Again, in that culture at Corinth, um, every gal in that town would be wearing some type of a veil or you know what would happen for shock value they would be some gals would have their head shaved the problem was those gals with heads shaved or that weren't wearing um, that weren't wearing a veil they were typically temple prostitutes and so um, they were saying check me out look at me I don't have any head covering I'm I'm available um, and that, guess what was happening? Those priestesses in the pagan temples, they would not wear their veils or they would do it as a, taking them off in front of men. And so this bled over into the church. And the idea was, check me out, look at me, I'm not wearing my veil. And so women were drawing attention to themselves. And when we draw attention to ourselves, what happens? We're taking people's eyes off of the Lord. There could have been another, uh, another issue in the church as well. It's possible that a group of ladies at Corinth said, you know what, we're liberated, we're set free. No more head coverings for us. We want equal footing in respect to the roles given to us by God to the men. And the problem is, and Paul points it out, it's a disgrace to the authority that God has placed over you and you are undermining the very authority that God has established Again, refusing to wear a head covering in that culture or having a shaved head not only put them in the category of a, of a prostitute, 
but also a shaved head never meant anything good in that culture in a lot of places around the world. It meant either you're a prostitute or you've committed adultery or it meant you're a lesbian. And so Paul says, hey, if you're not going to cover your head, you might as well go the whole distance. Carry the disgrace all the way and cut it all off. And so a woman that was involved in ministry in Corinth, um, refusing to wear a head covering, was communicating something, and it was communicating, I'm not under anyone's authority. Big no-no. And so Paul's saying, think about what you're communicating to the church, to the community. And Paul goes back to the beginning. Look at verses 7 through 10 with me. Paul is going to develop here. He's going to back up what he's communicating um, by going back to the book of Genesis, back to um, the or- that there's order in creation. And uh, it was all predetermined by God, and we see his plan unfold in the book of Genesis. Look at verse uh, 7 with me. And Paul says, um, what? The man, indeed, the dude, absolutely should not have a head covering on. Why? Because he is the image or the reflection of God, and man is the splendor of God. And then the second half of verse 7, the gal is the splendor of man. Some gals are saying, huh? What? You don't know my man. There's nothing, there, there's nothing glorious about him. There's nothing splendid about him. Here's the deal. Paul is, is going to make a point here as we work our way through. Paul is saying, isn't this radical? The man bears the image and glory of God, and the woman carries the same since she came from man. This is not something that's putting her down. Listen, this is something exalting her and lifting her up. It's not about suppression. It's about exaltation. Because he says in verse 8, look what he says. He says, because God formed Adam from the dust, and God took Adam's rib and made Eve. We go all the way back to Genesis. Um, Adam was not created for Eve. Eve was created for Adam. And we know why, right? When God looked at Adam, he was all alone. He said, it's not good that you're alone. You need, what, what do you need? You need a helper comparable to you, suitable, a helpmate. And so, again, he is speaking about, and Paul's developing this point, about roles, about order. And God's order is perfect, isn't it? Isn't God's order perfect, you guys? God's perfect order as seen in verse 3, God's perfect order as seen in verse 3 was established from the beginning and His perfect order is demonstrated um, in creation. And again, the, the, it's not an issue of equality, but it's an issue of our roles because we know from Genesis 1, I think it's like verse 27, it tells us there that, that both man and woman were created in the image and likeness of God. Both man and woman were created to do what? To reveal and to reflect God's character, His characteristics. And when men are men and women are women, guess what? God's glory is seen. God's glory is depicted. When our roles are not fulfilled, guess what? There's confusion. There's confusion. And so there's God-given roles in the family unit, in the church. And by the way, notice this arrangement of roles was God-given before the fall. It was before the fall. And so what does that mean? Paul's communicating that God's intent for every Adam and every Eve ever since is this order. 
And so what's the order? What are the roles? Man is to lead and be an authority in the church and at home. And gals are to submit and to support the man. Again, I know this is heavy this morning, but it's necessary. Listen, and I would point out in this, God has called us, you and I, to do things that don't come naturally to us. God has called us as man and woman to do things that, are, that don't come naturally to us. Leading does not come naturally to man. Leading does not, and this is my opinion, leading does not come naturally to man. Why do you say that? Because I look at the men. What do men typically like to do? They like to lead the family or sit on the couch and chill out to rest. Leading to, gals, I would say, listen, gals are natural leaders. How can you say that, pastor? Because I look at gals and I observe them. One gal goes to the bathroom and guess how many follow after her? Like three or four, right? They all go together. They, they're natural leaders. Listen, for me, nat- leading does not come naturally. God, yet God has called me to be a leader in my home and in the church. And I am so, I'm eternally grateful for Tanya who has supported me in my role in that. I wouldn't be able to do the things that God has called me to do without her supporting me and and helping me. And I include her. We pray together on decisions. We pray together on moving forward together. And yet in that, and in that she allows me to make the final decision and she has my back and I know I could go to the edge of at the edge of hell and back because I know she has my back and I'm eternally grateful for her. Listen, it is a stretch for us as men to be leaders. And you know you know what that teaches us? That teaches us something. That means we are in total dependence upon the Lord to help us to do that. To rely upon him on his word and his spirit to help us to lead. And to do those things that God has called us to do. Submission, I would say, does not come naturally to the ladies. And you know what that means, gals? It takes, it takes dependence upon the Lord to help you to do that. And he's given us his spirit to walk in this, what he's calling us to do. And uh, gals, uh, you know what? I think gals could do a way better job leading than us. Gals could do a way, in the church, listen, if we didn't have ladies in the church serving, our church would come to a grinding halt. I am so grateful. They would do a way better job leading our church. The problem is God has called the men to be leaders in the church. And so we are dependent upon the Lord to do that. And so gals, your job is to support someone that doesn't deserve it. That's someone that doesn't deserve it. And things get jacked up when men don't act like men and women don't act like women. And I would say, dudes, can I encourage you this morning? Uh, Quit being such wimps. Start leading your home spiritually. Is that heavy? Is that too harsh? I love you guys. But we need to lead our homes spiritually. And that responsibility should never, ever be taken lightly. Why? Because guess what? We're going to have to stand before God and give an account on how we have led them, how we have led in our homes, how we have led in life. Don't bully your spouse. 
Don't abuse or misuse the authority that God has given you. I think this is a searching passage for us this morning. As the Lord searches our hearts, how are we doing as the leaders in our home, the spiritual? Maybe you're saying, yeah, I got the finances under control, pastor. I got this. I, man, I'm leading good. How about spiritually in your home? Are you leading your home spiritually? Is there order in your home in these areas? Because we look around us today, look at the issue of our nation. Our nation is in chaos. It is out of control. Why? Because, the, because we don't walk in these things. We've disregarded the word of God. We've abandoned God's order. Listen, we can't ignore, we can't ignore God's order and hope for revival in our own hearts, our own lives, in our homes, or in our nation if we don't get his order right. And so, listen, uh, gals, gals too, you will stand before the Lord and give an account of how you've submitted to the authority, to the head, the spiritual leader that God has placed in your life. And I would say this morning, God's way is the best way. And so when men act like men and women act like women, it all works out. God is glorified. There's order. Well, look at verse 10. This is a zinger, isn't it? Verse 10. For this reason, since this is the case, gals must have a symbol of being in loving submission. Why? Since angels are watching. Well, the California Angels, what are they coming to town? What's going on here? The baseball team? Angels are watching. Isn't that interesting? Angels are observing. They're looking in. They're present when we gather. Either, either he's saying, listen, he's saying one of two things here. Either he's saying, your lives, your lives are a testimony to God's ways and wisdom not only to the people around you, but to angels as well, those in the spiritual realm. Or, he's saying, remember a third of those angels chose to rebel against God, and what happened to them? That's heavy. It's either one or the other. Either, listen, our lives are a testimony to the spiritual realm, or remember what happened to those angels, the third of them that rebelled with Satan. Nevertheless, look at verse 11. Man is not separate or unconnected from woman. Woman is not separate or disconnected from man in the Lord. You know what that tells me? Man and woman are intimately and wonderfully connected. We need each other, gang. And he goes on to say in verse 12, what? For this reason, reason word, even though Eve came from Adam, even so now man must come through woman, be born of a woman. Again, we need one another. We need each other, but all things are from God. Everything is from God. We need one another, and ultimately, we need the Lord, don't we? We all need Him. We are in, we are in desperate need of more of Him and less of us. Well, Paul finishes off here in verse 13 through 16. Let's check it out together. He also points out there's order in nature. He says, uh, judge among yourselves. Come to the conclusion on your own. Is it fitting for a gal to connect with God in prayer with no head covering on? It's like he's saying, isn't this common sense? Just look at nature. Doesn't nature teach you? Look at the next verse, verse 14. That if a dude has long hair, it's shameful or a disgrace. Now, I got to stop right there just for a minute. 
And, and listen, when a dude looks like a lady, it isn't quite right, is it? Or if, or if a gal looks like a dude, something's off. Something's wrong. Listen, in that culture, men never had long hair. And I know some of us are saying, well, what is long? Like right now, my hair's long. It's been about a month since I had a haircut or longer. What is long? Remember back, some of us back in the 80s? Remember the hair back then? Some of you guys remember back in the 80s? Spandex, spandex, remember? Glam rock, spandex pants, and long hair, big old hair. Listen, here's the point. If you can wear long hair and still like a dude, go, still look like a guy, go for it. The point is, don't try looking feminine. Why? It brings confusion. But in contrast, if a gal's long hair, if a, a gal's long hair is what? It's glorious. It's magnificent. It's splendid. Why? Because God gave woman her hair. Why? For a covering. To reveal God's glory. And there's a point that Paul's making here. Again, there's order in nature. And Paul, the, Paul's point is what? Women don't choose to look like men, and men don't choose to look like women. If you do, there's an issue. You are bringing confusion where God desires order. There's an order that nature declares. It seems normal in every culture. Long hair for gals, short hair for dudes. If you're a woman, don't try to look like a man. And if you're a dude, don't try to look like a lady. You know what it means? Men be men. Men, we need to be men. Women, be women. Be who God has created you to be. Play the role that God has graciously given to you. And you know what God says? I want you to reflect my glory. And when you do that, you are bringing me glory. You are, you are shining for me. And that won't happen. Listen, his glory will not be seen. It will not be reflected if men are not men and women are not women. We need to be who God has called us to be. Well, one more verse. Paul says what? But, hey, you want to fight about it? <laughs> if anyone is contentious, he, you know what he's saying? I'm telling you, this is how it works. When men and women play their roles, it's glorious. If man gives up his manhood, it's a bad thing. If woman doesn't want to be woman, it's a bad thing. Be who God has made you to be. Play the role that he has called you to play. And guess what's going to happen? If we do that, if we obey what the Lord calls us to obey, if we walk in what he's teaching us this morning, then guess what's going to happen? Everyone will benefit. Your marriage will benefit. Your home, everyone in your home will benefit. The church will benefit. Our, we will be salt and light for the Lord in our community. And guess what? Ultimately, God will be glorified. I love what Paul said last week in chapter 10 as we finish. In chapter 10, verse 31. Paul said, therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Do everything to make him look good. Amen. 
in Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you, Lord.